0: Hello. Thank you for listening to the sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allows you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Well, good morning. Good morning. Good to see each of you here. Our children are dismissed for Children's Church. If you would take your Bibles or your electronic device and you turn with me to the book of Psalms. So we're going to look at Psalm chapter 16. Last week, we finished up our study through the book of Jonah. And if you missed that, you can go onto our website, um, www.westhillbaptist.com, and you can look at that and uh, look up any other past sermons that you may want. I always tell people if you need a good nap, uh, just hit play on that, and that that will help you uh, go to sleep so let me just say this morning if you're fighting it if you're tired don't fight it just just let yourself go okay and uh my son i said that one sunday and my son's like dad i just let it go i just went to sleep and that's fine just i just don't want to see your head nodding okay it's better just to just to relax don't don't strain your neck muscle um, we'll look at today Psalm 16, and next week uh, what I have, what I have on my agenda is another Psalm. We'll see what the Lord has and what He desires. But I want to read through this Psalm, and we're going to read through it through two different translations. The first is going to be the New Living Translation, and uh, and I just want, if you would, as I read through it, if you would just listen. And then we're going to go back and I'm going to show you a couple passages actually in the New Testament of where some of these verses are quoted in uh, in Acts. And then we're going to look at it from the ESV and from the English Standard Version. Um, so as you sit there, would you just just tune in and I'll, I'll give you a little preview. Um, the, the psalm, the kind of the title, it's called... Uh, it starts with the letter m and i'm not even going to try to say it because people are going to make fun of me afterwards but uh but when you translate it mictam m- m- i see i said it and now you're laughing but mictan uh mictan of david when you translate that uh, a lot of scholars debate over what that meaning is um, i would probably towards tend to lean and and um Spurgeon says this too. It's probably meaning there's there's something about this psalm that makes it a little bit different. And so uh, with that that term can be translated gold or golden. It could be also a musical term, so we don't we don't know for sure, so I wouldn't stake my life on it. But if you think about it, this being a golden psalm or a golden song, and when we get into it, I think you'll see why, uh, why this term is used here because of, of, of what's in it. And, uh, and so I'm excited to walk through it with you. And so this golden psalm um, I want to read to you uh, from the New Living Translation. It'll be up on the screen as well. And then we'll, we'll look at those passages in Acts, and then we'll look at it from the ESV version. So let me read it to you, and you listen to the golden psalm here. David writes this. It says, Keep me safe, O God, for I have come to you for refuge. I said to the Lord, You are my master. Every good thing I have comes from you. The godly people in the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. Troubles multiply for those who chase after other gods. I will not take part in their sacrifices of blood or even speak the names of their gods. Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. The land that you have given me is a pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I will not be shaken. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety. For you will not leave my soul amongst the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever." May God add His blessing to the reading of His Word. Would you pray with me, Lord? We are thankful for this time to, to gather together corporately, to pause in the busyness of our lives, and and to sing praises, to worship You, to put You in the rightful place on our minds and in our hearts. And I pray, Lord, that as we dig into Your Word now, that Your Spirit would would reveal and tear back the walls and the boundaries. And, and the guards that we so often put up on our hearts, Lord, that you would strip those away and that you would help us to see you and that you would work in us to teach us and to show us who you are and how we're to live. What your word tells us, Lord, may we grasp hold, may we hear it, and then may we live it. We love you, Lord, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want you, if you would now, turn over with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. We'll come back to this psalm and we'll kind of take it verse by verse, but let me go over to the book of Acts, because Acts chapter 2, verses 32, or 22, verse 33, we're going to kind of pull out. This is where Peter is presenting his sermon, all right, at uh, Pentecost, uh, and as he's standing there, Uh, Verse 14 tells us that Peter is standing with the 11. He lifted up his voice and he addressed the crowd and he addressed the people around him. So jump down to verse 22, Acts 2, verse 22, because Peter is going to use part of this psalm uh, in his address of making the case that Christ is the Messiah, that this man, that the Jewish Religious leaders put to death is actually the Messiah, and he has risen from the dead. And so, here Peter's giving his argument in that way, he's preaching this sermon. And we'll start in verse 22. It says, Men of Israel, hear these words Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God, with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus. Delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosening the pangs of death, because it is not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him. Now let me pause there for a second. We see over in Psalms, the beginning of the title, that this was a Psalm of David. All right, But now we see it even confirmed. All right, confirmed by here Peter saying this is what David, King David, has said. So he says this, I saw the Lord always before me, that he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced, and my flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being, therefore, a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with him an oath To him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all, we all are witnesses. What's neat is when we read, and we're going to go back to Psalm 16 in a minute. But it's David speaking about not only the truths of God in his own life, but it's also foreshadowing the coming Jesus, the coming Messiah, the promise of the one who would be delivered, that God would deliver him from death and not leave him in the pit. Now flip over a couple chapters now with me to Acts chapter 13. Here is another reference that we see in Acts, Acts 13, and we're going to look at verses 32 through 38. So Peter is preaching that sermon. We're going to come over in chapter 13, and now we see Paul, Paul and his companions uh, have set sail, and they have uh, come to Perga, and John went back to Jerusalem, verse 13, but then they went on from Perga and came to Antioch. And so they, in the Sabbath day they went into the synagogues and they sat down. So there was the reading of the law and then Paul starts preaching here in Acts 13 and we're going to pick it up in the middle of his sermon verses 32 through 38 and let's look at see what Paul has to say about this psalm that David wrote. So Psalm or Acts 13 verse 32. Paul says this as he's preaching, and we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus, as also it is written in the second Psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken in this way, I will give you, The holy and sure blessing of David. Isaiah 55, 3 there. Therefore, he also says in another psalm, this is our psalm, Psalm 16, you will not let your holy one see corruption. For For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption... But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through what man? Jesus. Paul's trying to explain and say, this psalm, the truths were for David, but the truths go much deeper than that. The truths talk about the Messiah, Jesus. Now flip back to Psalm 16, and let's read it now. Aren't you thankful for the whole word of God? I am, because when you just read the Psalms, uh, there's sometimes you read it and you're like, oh, that's a great Psalm. But then when you read other parts of Scripture, it just it's like sometimes like a mask that's just taken off, and you're like, whoa, I... I That's so cool. I didn't see that before. So when we look at this psalm, it's definitely a psalm that David is writing there with his relationship with God. But it's also a prophetic psalm of what is going to come. And we know when we look at King David, David is a type of Christ. And so God uh, uh, promised that through David and through his line would come the Messiah. And even though David um, did awesome and great things, David wasn't the Messiah. In fact, David did some awesome and great things, but he wasn't even allowed to build the temple to worship God because he had so much blood on his hands. He was a man of blood. Uh, So here David is a great man. I think the practical truths, there are some great truths for us to live out, but But I also want us to think a little bit deeper here as we look also to, to see beyond that our God is so big that while David is writing this, it also is referencing our great Savior and what he did for us as well, which then leads into that last verse and why we can have such blessing and such joy in his presence, in the presence of God. So David is writing, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord, and I have no good apart from you. From the very beginning, David is saying this, God, you're my God, and I trust you. And ultimately, that's where we must start in our relationship with God. That's the foundation of whether or not we are going to believe that God is who he says he is, and whether or not we're going to trust that God sent his son Jesus to this earth. And whether or not we will claim his death, burial, and resurrection and the forgiveness of, his sin, of our sins that he offers to us. Will you trust that? God gives us choice. He gives us that freedom to choose him or not choose him. David, from the very beginning, and this is what separates David from King Saul. David trusts God. He follows God. He obeys God. Saul, even though he had all, all the right things all the right attributes. As an athlete, he was the right height. He, has, he had the muscles. He had the strength. He had the wisdom. He had the knowledge. But he just didn't do what he needed to do. David, a shepherd out in the field, the scrawniest out of all the, all the boys who didn't look like the next king, but yet God had set him apart. David here says, I take refuge. I trust. I look to you I have nothing that I can offer to you, God, because you are it. Let me challenge you here this morning. If you think that you have something to offer to an awesome, perfect God, you need to get on your knees and you need to ask for forgiveness because you have pride and arrogance that's part of your life. The God who created you and made you is so big so vast, so awesome. And that's why we can sing, he's a good, good father. That's why we can sing about his love and his mercy and his greatness because he is high and lifted up and that ultimately it takes our trust in him, not something that I have to offer. Well, God, I I got this. I, I have, no, this is King David. And he says, listen, I have no good apart from you. Let's keep going. Verse 3, As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. David, as he looks around, he's like, You know what? I take great pleasure in seeing, seeing your people as they trust you and worship you and follow you. I, I get this. This, for me, is probably one of the easiest verses in this, in this psalm because, man, it, it thrills my heart to be able to see you and to see God's people walking with him. It is so encouraging. I love that translation, New Living Translation. They're like my heroes. And, and we've talked about this the last few weeks. Those who have gone before us. Those who we have said, see you soon. Right? They're our heroes. The Hoyt and Marie Noff singers. Were they perfect? No, they had their faults. Marie would get a little too close for my comfort. But she loved me and she loved the Lord. Those are our heroes, people that we can look up to. They're not perfect, but man, it gets us excited in a sense where we're not alone. And David's like, listen, I trust in you. I take refuge in you. I, I find my comfort because there's nothing I have to offer to you. And I look around and I see these people who are following you. And it, and it excites me. Verse 4 is kind of the hinge where it's going to show us the other side of that. And where David says, the sorrow of those who run after another god shall multiply their sorrows are going to continue to abound over and over those who aren't seeking the one true god their drink offerings of blood i will not pour out i not take their names on my lips david said listen i see these others who are chasing after other gods and their misery and their sorrows continue to abound they're built upon one another i don't want any part of that And so when they offer their blood sacrifices, I'm not there to participate. I'm not going to try to find joy in what they're doing. Verse five, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. In you, God, you're it. You're the man. I'm trusting you. In you, I find my worth. Uh, let, me, let me pause here for a second. Young people, you're walking through these uh, weird days, trying to figure out who you are and what life is all about. Let me just tell you, if you can grasp one thing, if you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin that he is your God, I will tell you that you don't need anything else but Jesus. You say, well, Pastor Aaron, I know because you're our preacher, you're our pastor, and that sounds good, but you don't understand. Your identity is that you are a child of God, and that's all you need to hold on to. And if you can grasp that, that your identity is, is a child of God, it will change your life. Now, I speak to our young people, but I'm speaking to all of us. We must grasp hold of that, because when we're insecure in our relationship with God, it affects our decision-making. It, it, it affects how we feel. It affects what we do every day and all of a sudden what what should be where we have this confidence that David is saying you are my lot that's where i stand you're the cup that i drink from you are where i get my worth from instead we start running around chasing these things that don't satisfy and the verse before that Uh, David is following that up and saying, I see these people and their sorrows continue to multiply. And that's for us as Christ followers, that if we're following Jesus, that's our identity. We are children of Jesus. We are followers of Jesus. We're following him, children of God. And if we are seeking other things for those joys and those pleasures, then we've replaced the lot. We've replaced the cup. We're searching for something that... That won't satisfy. That's why Jesus is telling the woman at the well, I will give you living water, something that will take your thirst away. You'll never be thirsty again. That's why Jesus refers in in the book of John as he's talking and he's saying, listen, I am the bread of life. He's talking to the Pharisee leaders, the scribes and saying, listen, here you eat of me. You'll never be hungry. But... If you are anything like me, we at times, in our schedules, in our busyness, in our pursuits of just living life, sometimes we we put, we seek after things that ultimately don't satisfy our soul. David in the Psalm like, God, you are my chosen portion. Lord, Yahweh, the one that I can't even speak your name. You are all that I need. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I don't think David is just looking around and seeing the land or seeing uh, Jerusalem. I think David is seeing beyond that to see the promises that God has made to him. And, and David has this view of, I see the many blessings. That's why I love that old hymn, Count Your Blessings, Name Them One by One, because that when we stop and we start to see all that God has promised to us and all that God has blessed us with, we start to, all the things of the world start dwindling by and we set them aside because we know that they won't provide That comfort, that pleasure, ultimately, if we look for that identity, they will always fail us. But there is one, and the the psalmist here, David, is saying, there is one in whom we can find all that we need. And it's the Lord. Verse 7, David says, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I don't think this is uh, David saying, okay, in the, in the night I'm laying there and my, my heart just says, okay, yeah, it, David, you should do this. No, it's because he's got the word of God in him. And because as God, the Lord, counsels him during the day, that, that is part of his innards. So just a funny note here, the Hebrew word for heart is actually Kidneys. All right, we use at heart because that's what out of the heart flows. We know that as the, but they at that, that time they saw the kidneys as a key function because through the kidneys comes the filter. All right, they're filtering everything, and out of these kidneys, David says, out of my kidneys I am instructed during the night. Now we get to the portion where we have seen it with Peter and we have seen it with Paul. Where Peter says, I have set the Lord, verse 8, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Amazing that David, and we know he has his issues and we know he has his struggles, but here he is. I, I am not going to be shaken because because I have the Lord, and he's right there. Also, Jesus, here he is. He he will not be shaken, all right? And Jesus didn't stay dead, and that's where Peter and Paul are referencing. Jesus wasn't just a man who would come in the line of David, who would offer hope, who would, quote, offer forgiveness and stay dead. No, he would raise from the dead, And their point was this that ultimately, verse 9, therefore my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure, for you will not abandon my soul in shoal or let your holy one see corruption. Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life. Jesus, when he died, he went to the pit of hell to get the keys of Hades, but ultimately he did not stay there. Jesus rose from the dead. God brought him back to life. What a promise that not only is offered as we see it and read it for Peter and Paul, but also here for David. David has this hope that I think, I believe, offers to him. God will not let his children stay dead. We are not going down to the pit to stay away from God, separated from God forever. Soul was a deep, dark, awful place. It It was dark and it was separation from God. It is used throughout scripture as the opposite of the presence of God. And yet we see here in this the promise that you will not abandon my soul there. So not only talking about Jesus, but I believe as David is writing this and that we can look at it and say, God, you are not going to abandon me. Even in the darkest, the worst place that I could possibly go, you're not going to leave me there. But David just wasn't speaking for him. He was speaking in prophecy for Jesus that Jesus will conquer sin and death, going to the deepest, darkest place for you and for me, so that we wouldn't have to do that. That's a God who loves us. And that's why the psalmist continues, and he writes this in verse 11, you make known to me the paths of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. There's an old... um, Sermon from 1637. Yeah, I went back into archives. By William Austin. And William Austin had this to say about this this last verse. And he said there is, uh, it's kind of like a journey. There is a guide, all right? This last verse we see here, you make known to me the path of life. The guide is you. It's the Lord. Lord, you are the guide. The traveler is me. You make known to me the way. There is a way, and that's the path. You make known to me the path of life. What is the end in this journey? Life. So the guide is the Lord, the traveler is you and I, the way is the path, and ultimately the end is life. And along the way, we get to be in the presence of, of God. So we see here the presence in whose presence? In the presence of one, the Lord. And so let me ask you, let me challenge you. Have you spent time in the presence of God? You say, Well, Pastor, where can I meet him? Well, he has given us his word that we get to sit and that we get to read and we get to study. When was the last time you sat with him in his word so that you could hear from him? He's also given us this great thing called prayer where we can speak to God and share with him our heart, but that we may also sit and listen to him as he speaks to us. Say, well, I've never heard God speak to me. Is it an audible voice? No, God speaks in the quiet stillness. And for me, sometimes I miss hearing his voice because I'm too busy or I'm too active or I'm too loud and I'm not willing to be quiet long enough. The presence in your presence, in God's presence, is fullness of joy. When was the last time you would say that, man, you've been overwhelmed in joy? You might have been happy. You might have enjoyed certain things. But when was the last time that in, in your gut, like in your soul of who you are, you experienced joy? David is saying, let me tell you where you can find true, lasting joy in this journey of life as you go along the path it's in the presence of God. And then he finishes, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. We don't sit on God's right hand, okay? We don't, uh, it's funny how kids interpret, right? They read this and they're like, you're sitting on his right hand what happened to his left hand that's a joke that's okay when we think of the right hand that was that was a position of authority that was a position of power that was a position of honor and we as God's children are there in the presence experiencing the fullness of joy and David says at your right hand or plural Pleasures forevermore. He's talking, he's talking about this Jesus, the Messiah who was coming, who would not only die but not be left there, but be raised again and then be seated on the right hand of the Father. But there's also a reference here whereas the king, King David, as he's sitting on his throne, the person to his right would be a person who would enjoy that honor and that authority and that pleasures of the king. And and David is saying, I enjoy that with my God. I get to sit at His right hand. You and I, we get that great privilege. Now l- let me let me follow all this good news with un- with this, because I don't, I don't want you to get uh, be mis- misunderstood here. I don't I don't want to be misunderstood in the fullness and the greatness of the love and the promises that we read here about our God that does not give us the liberty or the right to do whatever we want to do too many too many of those who are followers of Jesus or claim to be followers of Jesus I don't know their heart God does but too many of us who walk the walk on the face of this earth today who claim to be followers of Jesus will say, I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins. I asked him to be my savior. I, have, I am his child. He's my God. I'm saved. But too many are, are doing their own thing who want to live life the, their own way. When you think about King David and what he is saying and, and, and and the fact that there is somebody who's on the throne, that means that they have the authority. We saw from the very beginning David's cry and where he says, "Preserve me, keep me safe in you, in you I run to like a, a hen who has little chicks who run under her for safety. God to you, I am running to. I find my help and my all in you. And today we will explore all that the world has to happen. Have have to give us. And then too often we are left dried up and desolate. We are weary and we're discouraged because we in ourselves are seeking joy. We're seeking pleasures that the world offers to us, but that is contrary to what God's word tells us. And we can't live life that way. That's why I said our identities are as God's children. Jesus paid the price, and that price was huge. He shed his blood, perfect blood. A person, and not just any person, the Son of God died for you. And while we clap and we applaud and we say, oh, that's great. When we live life every day, is it focused with that, man, this person died for me so that I may experience joy, so that I could experience deliverance, so that I could experience peace in his presence, not only today, but forever. This was the cost. Or do we look at life and say, well, I know God forgives me and God offers grace and mercy and I just want to try this or I don't feel like doing that. In the presence of God the fullness of joy is found so why are we walking every day? Well, I haven't had time to read my Bible. I just haven't had time to sit down and pray. Pastor, you don't know. You don't understand. My life is so crazy and I'm trying to do it, but I just can't do it. Listen, don't, don't come to me with your excuses. Not that I don't care. I do. I love you. I care for you. But talk to God. That's the great part about this psalm is David is saying, I have a relationship with the creator God. And he offers me everything that I need. It's all right there. And it's there for you and for me too. But God gives us choice. Will we choose to walk into His presence, to experience what He has for us? That choice is up to you and up to me. So if you're feeling worn down and you're feeling tired, go to the presence of the Lord. If you're feeling insecure, you're feeling like something's missing. Run to the presence of the Lord. You're feeling overburdened, like taxed, because you're running. Your finances aren't where they are. Your marriage isn't where they are. Your children aren't where they should be. Run to the presence of the Lord, because that will give you perspective. That will give you hope. That will give you peace in God's presence. This isn't about a bunch of rules to do. This isn't about a long list that you have to keep. It's about having a relationship with the creator God who loves you so desperately that he sent his son, Jesus, and he died for you. He gave his life so that we may have life forever with him. Our lives here on this earth are just a vapor. One minute they are here, The next moment it is gone experience the fullness of joy in the presence of our great god amen lord would you help us to do that may we see the great sacrifice that was given on our behalf jesus the christ and lord may in return may we respond in such a way that that lord we we can't help but to pursue you lord so often in my own life lord you you allow me to fail you allow me to to pursue other things that that won't produce that joy that peace and where i'm left on my knees you 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 break us in that sense where, Lord, you help us to see that we are created in your image and at the core of our soul, we long for something more than what this world has to offer. Forgive us as we pursue the joy and the pleasures of this world to satisfy us. Help us to pursue your presence. And as we see you, may it motivate us to walk obediently, knowing that you cause all things to work together for good to those who love you, to those who are called according to your purposes. May we take comfort. May we have great peace that even in our failures, you are there and that as we run to your presence, as we sometimes are laying face down and we have to cry out for your help, that you're willing to come to us and provide the fullness of life. Thank you for loving us, Lord. Thank you for your patience. You've placed us here on display for the world to see that you are a true and living God. Help us to do our best to allow your light to shine through us this week. We pray this in the precious name of our Savior, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. Amen.